This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Now on Joy 94.9, this is The Glow Show with your host, Victoria Police LGBTI Liaison Officer, Gabrielle Tayak, Joy's own Will Lanting, with a range of Victoria Police staff and Joy volunteers coming together to inform and support our diverse LGBTI communities. Here is The Glow Show on Joy. And welcome to The Glow Show. This is Will. I am joined by the lovely Gabby. How are you today, Gabby? Today was so beautiful. I know, wasn't it? I can't believe it. And did you watch the footy? I did. I oh, know, a bit sad, isn't no, it? No, not really. I was gone. Not really. I was quite happy. <laughs> uh, thank you, Simon. That was uh, for the news. That was wonderful. And uh, great job by Dylan and Maddie taking everybody home this afternoon. What a wonderful job they, they were did. They great. I know. Now, uh, we've been well, on air with the Glow Show for oh, eight weeks now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And previously we were a podcast series as you know, quite popular. Everybody loved it, and we had the privilege of doing a lot of records uh, during that period. And we actually had one left over, and it was a very, very important uh, podcast that we felt that really needed to be aired. So tonight we're going to be playing uh, two sections of that. And uh, would you like to introduce who that is? Yeah, so we've got Assistant Commissioner Tess Walsh. Mm-hmm. She, uh, well, I'll let her explain a lot more about her, but she's one of the highest ranking out lesbian police officers, not only in Victoria Police, mm-hmm. but the country is the highest ranking out police officer. And she was such a pleasure to interview as well. Yes, amazing. And she's going to talk about some really, really interesting things. She's going to talk about her different roles within Victoria Police over the last 30 or so years, uh, why she joined, uh, also how how to look at policing and how we look at policing in a different way now than we have before, mental health, um, and how we, uh, we're looking at improving our policing model. Lots of really interesting stuff. So here she is now. Here is the uh, interview with Tesh Walsh. Now we have someone very special in the studio joining us, which we're proud to have. Yeah, I'll let Jenna introduce. We have Assistant Commissioner Tess Walsh. Tess, welcome to The Glow Show. Hi, and um, my dear mum, who we've not long lo- uh, lost, would say that we're all special to our mums. Absolutely. Oh, we are. We are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tess, um, you've been involved or you've been in the police force for 30-plus years now, is that correct? I have, and um, I've had the pleasure of... Uh, doing a whole different lot of roles in that uh, 30 years, probably changing uh, different styles of jobs uh, about every three years. So tell us about what, how did you get involved? What what made you join the police force? And oh, you it? really want that story? <laughs> yes, Everyone wants to know okay. because it would have been so different from a lot of Okay, uh, strap yourselves in then. <laughs> Ready, let's go. So, so I am a Mighty Pies supporter and I used to go to the Victoria Park with my sister and stand on the hill and... Um, stand on uh, cans of beer so I could see. <laughs> and I always used to look over in the corner and there was a, the two police horses with um, police members sitting on their back. And I thought, look at that, they're working, they're getting paid, they've got the best view in the house. And I subsequently joined to ride the horses and I've ne- never sat on a police horse in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you, w- you would have seen a lot of changes um, over the years, but just reflecting back on... Uh, would have been mid uh, late 80s uh, this would have been um you would have had to as a woman 
competed with the men and and done everything the same. So I mean, even joining the the fitness side of it was a lot different to what it is now. It is, um, and I think I think the um, the requirements were different for men and women uh, acknowledging different strengths but you still had to be a, a certain a reasonable amount of fitness and and I know that a lot of people failed we had to jump a, a, a vaulting horse and a lot of people used to get through the medical and all the theories and the tests and they used to women used to fail because they used they couldn't get over the horse and um, I've never, wow. I've never, I haven't jumped too many things in my 30 years, so... Um, I'll neither yeah. have I, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's about, you know, I guess what we're trying to do now and, and, and a lot of um, our HR work, we've got some really good thinkers about what are the requirements for, for policing and, and, and what do we really need to do? What what skills do we really need to have in order to be the Office of Constable? Absolutely. Uh, Office of Constable. Yeah. Um, given that now we have so many tools and tips and techniques and things mm. and, um, and, and we carry a whole range of different things with with us, so that uh, that um, allows you to be any shape and size, and and, and most uh, yeah, wi- m- most wise police people will tell you the greatest skill you can have is communication. So absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Although they are doing, they are making sure that our members now are keeping as to a certain le- level of fitness, which is great because I mean, as police officers, for health reasons, it's also good to be somewhat healthy. Uh, but all the members on the ground still need to have the ability to chase people wrestle with them if need be. Oh, no doubt about that. But uh, there's always going to be that element of physicality. Mm. Um, but it's it's about aligning what what the requirements of the job are to um, to your to the standards. Um, but coupled with the fitness side of things is also the mental health. Uh, so mm. you know, obviously, we know if you're um, doing some exercise, then you're really supporting yourself uh, to manage the stresses of the job in a way that. Um, that uh, other things don't do. So. It's one of those parts that's, um, and I remember hearing this a long time ago that um, you know there's always been that sort of um, disparaging joke about police officers eating donuts and that's why they had the the bellies. But actually, in fact, where that comes from is the cortisol that goes runs through police officers' systems when they go through immense times of stress, and it actually in- increases your weight gain as you get older. And so police officers quite often will experience that as, after a certain period of doing stressful work. And so having that. Um, cortisol reduction via your physical activity actually is a really good way of balancing out your mental health as well. Bit of science there for you guys. Can you send me that research? I I will actually. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But we're finally acknowledging um, and allowing men to accept and acknowledge that they are highly stressed and they do have emotions and they need to talk to people about the the stresses that they're encountering in their daily jobs. And because men are finally acknowledging that and we're talking about mental health our our, um, our health and our mental health within Victoria Police is getting better mm. and we need that to happen. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not sure it's getting better. I think um, I, I think our maturity around okay, how we manage better. it is mm. probably really growing every day. Um, the Chief's shone, sh- shone a light on it for all the right reasons and uh, we'll, we'll be much... You know, I mean, what, what a, what a marvellous legacy to, um, to lead. I was privileged to attend a function last week that uh, one of our um, junior probationary constables who's at the academy and uh, she spoke about the um, focus... She was really surprised about the focus on safety and health uh, that we're driving through the through our newest recruits. And I said to the chief commissioner, "What a great legacy that is for you to leave. That at the focus instead of being on, you know, brawn and and what have you, it, it's on how to really genuinely develop our care for one another and also our community." 
Yeah. So the better we are at understanding that, the better we are, we're going to be at policing, I think. Because 30 odd years ago, you would never have even considered that. No, I, I don't think we knew, we certainly hadn't thought about um, what level of harm we were, it, it, things like exposure. I'm, I've always been in the investigative side of the house and, um, you know, the exposure of certain crimes and, and the things that people do to each other, mm. cumulatively, it ha- has a, an incredible effect. But now we're able to talk about that and, and, and by talking about it, we raise awareness. By w- raising awareness, we also um, design strategies and, and, and get much cleverer at how to help, um, understanding that there's no one size fits all. People are very different, got different tipping points and, uh, you know, it's, it's good that we're in this space. It's, it, it's, it is a maturation of our um, organisation. In your 30 years with, with the police force, what's some of the firsts that you've seen? Obviously, we're now talking about identifying mental health. Um, we're obviously... You've seen the function of the GLOWS unit start up. Um, but what's uh, some of the other firsts that you've seen or been involved with with the Victorian Police Force over the oh, 30 I think, years? I think we wander in and we do joy radio, things like that. You know. <laughs> um, quite honestly, they're, they're things that wouldn't have been considered and, you know, the great work of these two um, that have progressed some of that and the relationships, the partnerships right across the um, community. Look, at, One of the things that Victoria Police are most proud of is, is looking at our priority communities and, and we uh, recognised um, some time ago we needed to do some significant work there and I think... Um, we uh, we've really focused on that, and, and we've had we've had some great outcomes as a result of, um, of of spending much more time with priority communities that were uh, probably overrepresented in some of our police um, statistics, and um, you know pop, popping up in criminal justice system where they probably didn't need to. So mm-hmm. we've um, it's not so much a first, but that's a it's a um, it's a shift for us as an organisation. Uh, first, but what about? Roles, you being the first woman doing certain things. Uh, yeah, recently moved to the um, Crime Command from the Western Region, and uh, so very proudly I'm the first um, female to take up the Assistant Commissioner in charge of the Crime Command, which is that's a big thing. It that's a significant. It's a big thing because the Crime Command has been traditionally the um, traditionally the heartland of. Um, fellas and uh, some really extraordinarily wonderful uh, people but um, you know I, I take the reins from an extraordinary man who's taught me a lot, Steve Fontana um, and uh, really look forward to a couple of exciting years bringing about some um, innovation and uh, trying to address uh, differing crime types uh, with lots of innovative thinking and, um, and uh, hopefully a bit of support Now you're involved in Varioc Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. So, VERIOC, the um, acronym, is the Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission. Mm-hmm. So, uh, some years ago, 2015 it was, our Chief Commissioner of the Day, Ken Lay, um, also a wonderful man, uh, looked, was seeing things in Victoria Police in terms of our behaviour towards each other, and he was really concerned about some of those behaviours. So, he partnered up with um, Victoria, Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission, which was then led by um, Kate Jenkins. And they um, commissioned a significant piece of work uh, to examine the existence, the culture of Victoria Police and um, 
really conducted the largest responded to survey uh, outside the US military, I think. Um, so we had 5,000 people respond to a survey that inquired about all sorts of behaviours and harms um, in, inside the organisation. Um, 5,000 of, I think it was about 14,000 then. Mm. So a really very significant sample mm. survey. Absolutely. And and within that there was um, you know a, a range of questions, but there was also the ability to uh, include narrative about things um, that had had occurred, and um, from that, some of the you know disappointing, shocking, um, frightening things, and. Um as a result of that, whilst that's a very unique thing to have done and I'm incredibly proud of my organisation from doing it, I'm not proud of what what we found. Uh, I guess that had been my experience for many years as, as it is of many others. And um, we've set about taking a real leadership role in terms of righting the wrongs and making sure that we're um, into the future when you know when our young people join that academy that that we are a place that is diverse and full and, and everybody feels included and um, there's respect and dignity at every rank and every level uh, right across the organization so that's something we've we've made great inroads into and having said that, we've got a long way to go as well. I was just going to ask, would you acknowledge that, you know, the, there's definitely issues there, uh, you've identified them, you put your hand up and identified them. Um, would you say we've got a lot of work to do still? Oh, yes, indeed, yeah. Okay. Um, it's not just the behavioural um, components. We've, uh, you know, stripped back a lot of our processes, a lot of our access to... Um, to quality training, access to broader thinking, uh, development... We've got HR processes that we've we've um, thrown a gender lens over all of our HR processes. Uh, we've developed frameworks, action plans, all all sorts of things that we that will contribute to our. Um, we understand culture change. There's some things that we can change short term, yep. and and we've probably um, done most of those. And then we've got a medium term group of um, a piece of pieces of work. Uh, um, but longer term, we know it's all about um, leadership and um, and how we as leaders in the policing organisation but also in the community. Are you able to elaborate on what medium-term issues and long-term issues are? Oh, probably the, the long-term piece is that we want yep. the utopian policing model. We want we want everybody who in the Victorian community to um, have every contact with Victoria Police being uh, respectful and um, and safe and and care and, and caring. Uh, essentially, we have a we have a fundamental role to play. Sometimes that role sees us in in harm's way, but it doesn't always. Most of our contacts with the community, Victorian community, are ones are, are simple interactions of of um, you know human beings towards each other. So not they're not all violent, is what I'm saying. Hmm. So whilst there's a, a place for our, you know, highly qualified um, uh, tactics and, and um, techniques, most of our interactions are just talking to people. And mm. uh, what we what we really want is that um, everybody, everybody, no matter you know, people in minority groups, things like that, that they they have a touch point for Victoria Police, and if whatever their issue is, they can complain about us. They they can talk to us. They can uh, raise concerns and um, and reach into our organisation, knowing that their matter is going to be dealt with really respectfully. And that's probably exactly what Tess is saying is is that this uh, organisation has seen this um, paradigm shift in the last, um, I'd say, 20 or so years, Tess, arguably, um, uh, in the way that we look at policing, moving from a very reactive space into that proactive mind, mindset. Um, and it's very much involved in community engagement, building relationships with your local stakeholders and, and, and exactly, as Tess said, you know, having those relationships where, you know, the Victorian community is so broad and so, so diverse... Um, 
um, we want our organisation to represent the community that we serve. Um, so I think that there's been significant changes in the way that we think about policing. Um, we're not always hitting the mark. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to get there. We're trying to understand our community groups better. Um, but there's a significant paradigm shift now in the way that we view um, how we police. And obviously there's, there's reactive spaces that we still work in. I mean, you know, counter-terrorism and, and, and certain kinds of crime is always going to be a reactive fuel. But we know now that if we engage in a more proactive policing, problem orientated kind of perspective, we can actually reduce crime. We can actually employ crime prevention measures and interventions that, you know, can see us have a, a safer community. Yep. And by having people feel comfortable and safe approaching police, and sometimes that's through the glows, they, they're reporting more, which means we're aware of what's happening and which means we can also hopefully prevent crime. You're listening to The Glow Show on Joy. Missed an episode or want to hear this one again? Our Glow Show podcast is published immediately after the program goes to air. Nice, huh? Head to joy.org.au forward slash The Glow Show or subscribe to the program on iTunes so you never miss an episode. And yes, you are on The Glow Show with Gabby and Will and we are playing an Recording from an old podcast we did uh, a few months back before we went live to air and uh, we were interviewing Assistant Commissioner Tess Walsh. And she's newly appointed Head of Crime Command, which is the first time a woman police officer has been in charge of that area. And in the next section of the interview, she talks about her concerns and challenges in relation to drugs and violence in society, recruitment and diversity within recruiting from our um, community. One, one question I always love to ask is wh- where do you see some of your future challenges? In my um, new command, mm. they're enormous. <laughs> um, so, so use of technology is, yep. is um, something that enables uh, all manner of crime and um, whilst we're, we've, you know, been tremendously supported in, in terms of um, staying up to date with our own technology, the crime types are changing so very often. Um, we get on top of something and then it, it moves to the next uh, thing. Uh, the other real concern for me is um, drugs. Yes. Drugs in our society is uh, is um, particularly having come from from the western region. You see one one you know one person addicted to ice per se, and an entire network of family and friends um, drawn into that terrible, terrible um, sphere. So mm. um, we, we've got a lot to do on that and, um, and you know, that's one of the things that I'm turning my mind to at the moment. One of the things I, I think about with drugs and when I think about the future and think about evolving, certainly um, in the 80s, uh, word ice just didn't exist because no. it simply didn't exist. It was developed, manufactured, it evolved. So do you fear that drugs will also continue to evolve into new products and more nasty products? Indeed they are. Um, yeah. Look, you know, I remember as I, when I was a constable, heroin was the drug of choice and um, whilst it, it was insidious in terms of what it did to people, it also um, it was a downer per se, so there was much less violence related to heroin-related crime uh, than there is now. But um, I, I think that the type of drug is morphing um, all the time, we've seen um, we've seen examples in the US and the UK of, of other drugs that are, are you know incredibly harmful uh, that um, haven't hit here yet, and I, I pray that they don't. Oh, we, we all pray they don't. Uh, unfortunately, you know this this sort of things that they do, but you know we certainly get on the front foot mm. and um, see the experiences of the of Europe and the United States. Um, and also, when you talk about technological crime, you know we're simply not talking about people using their mobile phones and walking across a red light or anything like that. You know that that definitely evolves into things like cyber crime 
crime, mm. uh, fraud, which is becoming a big, bigger problem. Would you agree? Oh, no question about that. Yeah. Um, so, and also the um, uh, very unfortunately, the child pornography um, is a is a massive issue in, to, in, in right across the world, uh, and and access to. So that's that's um, you know victims uh, being uh, abused on a daily basis, whether or not they're present for it or, or not. Um, you know, every, every time somebody shares something, uh, some. Um, offensive material that is re-victimising that, ch- that child. Uh, so we've got lots of work to do around that. Um, we've got the dark net that is... Mm. Uh, is um, That really poses a problem? It really does pose a problem. Okay. Um, you know, the, the ability for people to interact uh, without any ability to watch that or manage it uh, creates all sorts of uh, permissions for people. So, uh, yeah, it's and it's also difficult to, for us as investigators to be investigating that which you can't see. Fascinating challenges for the future and, and you know, it would certainly... I've been in my industry for 30 years and I've seen some fantastic change and I couldn't begin yeah. to think some of the change you've seen because I think we, we've got 30 years, and you're 30 years, so, yeah, a lot has changed. Um, Tess, some of it really positive. Of course, yes. Showing what we're doing and, and how mm. we're becoming more inclusive, but some very scary because you don't know where things are going to go and you don't know how we are able to respond to those things, including terrorism. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And as Gabby was saying, it's it's fantastic to see some of the initiatives that have been implemented. I'm obviously got the GLOWS, which is a fantastic initiative, mental health. Uh, look, that's certainly a, a new thing across many industries now, and it's good that the police are really on the forefront of that because I couldn't imagine some of the work that police do do. And, and uh, certainly when I was younger, you know, uh, I would have friends who are police officers. They would talk about some of the work that they were doing. I couldn't imagine, I personally couldn't cope with some of the stress that would be involved. And I imagine back in the 80s and 90s, it was, you're a police officer, go to work and deal with it. Yeah. You know, I work out in the cold, for example, and it's still go out and deal with it. But yeah. uh, it's very realistic now that we need to, you know, confront these issues and, and acknowledge it. And yeah. It is. Having said that, I mean, um, when you look at the Victorian community, there's a, there's a very small percentage of that community that are offending or that, you know, have mm. troubled times and they come to us. Uh, and I'll also say for VicPol, um, you know, we've got some extraordinary people in our organisation. They do some uh, amazing things. So a shout-out to anybody who's thinking about joining us, particularly women. Mm. Um, we are recruiting madly and uh, we need a lot... One, one of the things we, you're talking about we can do um, longer term is diversify our own organisation and we know with many voices at the table we become so much richer. So we really, um, we really are recruiting. I might just actually... I would be remiss of me not to mention that um, actually that Tess has been honoured with um, Deloitte's uh, one of the 50 most outstanding LGBTI um, senior leaders awards and um, that came through I think in May this year was that yeah, right yeah, yeah. Um, which is an outstanding achievement um, and, and high visibility for Victoria Police um, having a senior official um, that's out in the LGBTI community is, is enormously um, significant for our community it means that you know people listening to this podcast and um, generally across the community go hey you know I could I could reach an assistant Commissioner, I could I could reach Chief Commissioner. You know, it's it's really important to have that visibility. So, congratulations, 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 Des. and thank you, and thank you for all the support you give my community, and we love you for that. And um, thank you. Yeah, I think we must wrap up. 
Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I'm actually off to a Deloitte function tonight to be on a panel. So um, oh, fantastic. It, the, the fun continues. And, and, and it is, it's, it's such a privilege to, to in some way represent our community, um, in, represent VicPol. And, you know, it's a celebration that I didn't think would be, you know, celebrated for. But uh, <laughs> there it is. Um, if, if it means something to um, people coming in behind or, or anybody in, in the community, it's, uh, mm. it's fantastic. Well, we have two assistant commissioners who are out and proud, don't we? Yep, the most senior ones in Australia, I might add. So, yes. Chief Commissioner soon, hopefully. Yeah. Be part from this community. Could be Chief uh, Commissioner Walsh in a few years. Uh, you never know. I think you might look at the other for that. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, was a privilege and a pleasure having you in the studio with us uh, today. Um, good luck for the future and, yeah, we hope to see you as Commissioner. My absolute pleasure. <laughs> Thank you very much. What a great interview. I know, it was fabulous. I was loved having her in the studio with us. No, she's a fantastic woman and really proud to have her as a part of the show. And that award for our outstanding 50 LGBTI leaders of this year, mm-hmm. it acknowledges individuals who are changing perceptions and creating more inclusive workplaces and communities and that's exactly what she's doing. So proud. No, we are all very, very proud of her. And uh, this episode will be available for download. So yeah, yeah. podcast very soon. Podcast it, download it and share it with all friends and um, it's Fantastic information and uh, Tess, I'd, I'd like to see her as Chief Commissioner maybe one day. It would be fabulous. You never know. It would be great having a woman as a Chief Commissioner. I know. Could you imagine? And next week, yep. we've got the Operation Response Unit. So tough two guys. of our glows. Yeah, they're the tough guys. <laughs> Definitely tougher than me. Definitely tougher than me, <laughs> i got to assure you. You've been listening to The Glow Show with uh, Will and Gabby on Joy 949. You have yourself a great week and we'll see you next week. Enjoy the sunshine. That's it from us today. Thanks for listening to another Glow Show on Joy. Tonight's episode has just been loaded to the Joy website and our podcast feed on iTunes. So if you missed anything important, you can hear it again now. Please support the volunteers who make the Glow Show happen by subscribing to our podcast and sharing them with your friends on social media. The Glow Show is produced by Will Lansing and Gabrielle Tyak and edited weekly by me, Jason Gibbs. See you next time on Joy. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.